Well, welcome to North Village Church. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you in person. It's great to be with you online. And uh, man, thanks for taking the time to engage our, our church family. We're excited to get into God's Word. But man, just a quick note on where we are with Rise Up and Reach. We, we've been uh, all of our papers have been given to the city of Austin, and they uh, continue to tell us just two more weeks, just two more weeks. And uh, so we're waiting. Uh, we're still looking for that opportunity, but we're waiting. And while we're waiting, we're looking for other opportunities. And just last week, we got in touch with two property owners here in Austin, two properties right off Burnett Road. And, and, and we found out, like, man, they're willing to uh, rent to a church, which is super encouraging, but their value is twice as much. They want to charge us twice as much is the property that we're looking at on, on Anderson Lane. So listen to me, we're, we're, we're continuing to look for opportunities if Anderson Lane doesn't work out, but we're also praying that Anderson Lane does uh, work out. Uh, good news is, is that all the money, all the one-time gifts that were committed in August, 100% of those one-time gifts have, have been given and been received. And so, I mean, we're super encouraged by what the Lord is doing in our church family and just encourage you to keep praying Fully expect the Lord to provide uh, in this way for us. Uh, let's get into uh, uh, Scripture. We're going to look at Titus, right? Titus chapter 2. About a year ago, I had somebody knock on my door, and uh, they were in the process of wanting to rent the house across the street. And so they said, hey, do you know the owner of the house across the street that lives in Florida? I said, I know the owner across the street just passed away left the house to her nephew. The nephew lives in Phoenix, so I don't know who you're talking to in Florida, but that's not the owner. And he said, well, that owner is asking me, uh, or that guy in Florida is asking me to send them a check for $1,500 uh, for a deposit for rent. And I said, man, you don't want to do that. You are getting scammed. And maybe all of us have had moments where we felt like we've been getting scammed or we felt misled. Maybe we got into the, one of those moments where we didn't uh, read the fine print and realize it wasn't as good as we thought. Or teenagers, maybe you've been on TikTok video, you know, watching somebody spew, you know, exploding juice out of their mouth only to realize they're just trying to sell you something. You're like, oh man, I got bamboozled. Well, in the book of Titus, we see a people who are professing faith in Jesus, but living a life that is misleading. It's deceptive. It's destructive, and God's Word teaches us that genuine faith in Jesus produces a genuine life in Jesus. Genuine faith in Jesus produces beautiful lives in Jesus, attractive lives in Jesus, sincere, credible lives. In Titus 2, we're going to see God's Word give us practical direction on how to live a life that is consistent with our faith. And we're going to focus on three subpoints. The first one is the charge. The second one is the context. The third is the comfort. Let's look at our first one, the charge. Titus chapter 1, false teachers are wrecking shop. Families are being disrupted. People are financially manipulating others in the name of Jesus. Key people in the community are getting distracted by conspiracy theories. And in Titus 2, the Apostle Paul pivots with the charge. Verse 1, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Now, verse 1 is specifically for Titus, but man, this charge is for all who are in 
Christ, right? There's been people that are misleading, that are scamming, that are deceptive, and then he pivots. But as for you, you who are in Christ, speak things which are fitting for sound doctrine. That word sound means healthy. Speak things that are healthy. Doctrine means instruction. So verse 1 is talking about speaking words that build up others, that make relationships stronger, that build up churches, that build up communities, that build up societies. It's possible you're thinking about that word speak as a, as a formal word, like maybe it's just talking about preaching, something from the pulpit. But that word speak in the original language is just the word talk. It's conversational words. It's normal, everyday talking with one another. So he says, but as for you, when you talk to each other, build one another up. Strengthen one another. Encourage one another. Cultivate those relationships. Can you think of a verse that's more applicable, that's more important for our culture, our church, than this verse right here? We have people rioting in the streets. We have presidential candidates yelling at each other. We have family members cutting each other off because of their view on social things. And God's word charges. But as for you, build up the people around you. Build up the people around you. I know we like to think of ourselves as kind of national influencers. Social media gives us this impression that we're speaking to the masses. But when you see verse 1, bring it down to the local. And think about breathing life into your spouse. Think about the courage it takes to speak encouragement to our children. Think about the focus it takes that when you're at work, when you're in the neighborhood, when you're talking to people in the community, the focus it takes to breathe encouragement into those relationships. We were in community group a couple weeks ago, and somebody in our group said, hey, can you pray for a coworker? Coworker just lost their mom, and I'm trying to come alongside her. Will you, will you pray with, her for, with me for her so that I can come alongside her and help comfort her? I mean, he's wanting to, to live out the light of Christ in the life of his work. That's beautiful. That's the charge of verse 1. Listen to me. This is so important for us right now. Right now, we have government officials. We got media members. We got some national pastors who are trying to get us to focus all of our energy, all of our effort on COVID-19, on what President Trump said, what Biden said, what's the economy doing, and God's word calls out, but as for you, speak to the people who are right in front of you. Your spouse, children, neighbors, coworkers, friends, church, city, and build them up. Sound doctrine, healthy instruction. Listen to me, this is real life, isn't it? This is hard. Let's, let's just acknowledge, like, we can read verse one and go, yeah, man, that sounds good. But it's hard. It's hard to encourage our spouses. Let's just admit that. That's. That's uncomfortable sometimes for us to come alongside our children, look them in the eyes, and speak life into their souls. It's hard to come alongside a coworker, kind of fumble through that conversation. Teenagers, it's hard. Is it hard to encourage 
I mean, think about the last time as a teenager, think about the last time another teenager encouraged another teenager. It's hard, right? A teenager walking up to another teenager say, hey, man, you're doing great in school. I appreciate you working so hard, but just as a reminder, man, your grades aren't who you are. When you're in Christ, he loves you more than your grades. Wouldn't that be amazing if you heard a teenager say that to another teenager? But, but it's hard. And it's easy to get swept up in the fear and emotion and excitement of COVID-19. That's easy. It's easy to get swept up with Antifa and white supremacy. It's easy to get swept up with what a president said or didn't say. It's hard to do what verse 1 is saying. And you could push back on it today. You can say, look, Michael, I get it, but you don't understand. The world's falling apart. There is. There's a, so Marxists are getting us, and white supremacists are getting You know, my, now I get it. It's a crazy day. Our country may fall apart. I have no idea what will happen. But God's word is charging us not to stick our heads in the sand and just forget about what's happening at the national level, but charging us. But as for you, speak life into the relationships that are immediately around you. I think it'll be like the rock in a jar illustration. We use this one all the time. The jar is a metaphor for our life. If you fill your jar with sand and gravel first, right? That's the national media headlines. You won't have any room for the big rocks. And Titus chapter 2 verse 1 is teaching us the big rocks it's our faith in Jesus. The big rocks, it's our spouse, it's our children, it's our co-workers, it's our neighbors, it's our church, it's our community. It's our... Those are the big rocks. The big rocks go in first. If you start with the sand and the gravel, if you start with the national media, if you start with the news headlines, you don't have any room for the rocks. And the charge of God's word, it's not to ignore the national headlines, but it's to put the big rocks in first. Let's give 80, 90% of ourselves to the big rocks, to the most important relationships. I'm talking about calendar. Like 80, 90% of our calendar, of our resources, of our emotions, of our, of our thoughts, of our, of our reading, put that into the most important relationships, praying for our, 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 our spouse, encouraging our children, building up our coworkers and neighbors, shining the light of Christ in our city, and then let's give like 5-10% to the national headlines, right? Because the Lord isn't holding us accountable for what a chemist does in a lab for COVID-19. Let's just be honest. The Lord isn't holding us accountable for what President Trump says and doesn't say. The Lord isn't holding us accountable for what Mayor Adler said to Governor Abbott. And I think you can make an argument from Scripture that to get swept up in those things is to get swept up by being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4, right? And you make a stronger argument, get, get, getting swept up in those things. But it's very clear that God, God is going to hold us accountable for our lives. He is going to hold us accountable to our faith, our spouses, our children, our neighbors, our co-workers, our city. And God's word calls out, make those relationships beautiful. In normal life, in normal life, we could get swept up in a national headline for a week or two. And then we could get back to what's most important. 
Man, but these days, it's like there's national headlines every hour. And if we're not careful, we could wake up in six months and our faith feel empty. Our marriages seem distant. Our children seem vacant. Our soul's empty, completely exhausted. This is God's call on our lives. Maybe some of us are there already. Maybe some of us already feel exhausted. You need to know it's not too late to make these relationships the priority. It's not too late to set up boundaries, to limit the news, to build into these people that the Lord has placed in our life. I'm about to launch a six-week study in Ephesians. If you want to be a part of that, just focus on the most important things in life for six weeks. Let me know. We'll get together and we want to focus on those things. Let's look at our second subpoint, the context. In verses 2 to 10, we see the context of relationships. And God's Word is going to give us key characteristics of these relationships. Let's look at verses 2 to 10. This is Titus chapter 2. It says, Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, love their children, to be sensible, pure workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in all do you notice they never give an age of what it means to be older or younger? So if, you, if you're in a stage of life where you're just a little bit further along than the next person, congratulations, you're in the older category. You just got to be a little further along. Teenagers, you can absolutely have influence. You, you can absolutely influence your peers. You can influence adults. If you're in Christ, the same Holy Spirit that lives in you is the same Holy Spirit that lives in a 90-year-old. Does that make sense? We're not waiting for the Holy Spirit in you to rise up. He's there. He's powerful. The influence, the possibility, it's there. So let's talk about the vision for older men because verse 2 is casting a vision for older men to live such beautiful, such godly, such consistent lives that younger men are thinking to themselves, I want to be like that one day. Words like dignified, sensible, sound in faith. These are all characteristics. They're going to be attractive to younger men. It's going to draw in younger men. In addition, this idea of persevering. Man, if we're going to live lives that others want to follow, there's going to be some perseverance. If we're going to live lives where we're building up the people around us, where we're not getting distracted by the national headlines, uh, there's got to be some perseverance. Pushing through hardship, pushing through challenges. And that's what we see in the life of older men. Perseverance and building up beautiful relationships the Lord has placed in our lives. Let's talk about older women. Verse 3 is casting a vision for older women 
to live such beautiful, godly, consistent lives that it's catalytic, it's magnetic to younger women. Happen at any age. Verse 3, older women, be, be gracious towards others. Be reverent, to be gracious. It's to not give yourselves over to gossip. It's to not give yourself over to drunkenness. Like if you, if you want to find a way to get rid of some friends... Like, if you want to live in isolation your whole life, if you want to see people flee from your presence, then give yourself over to being critical. Like, not being gracious towards others, but just being critical. Like, point out faults and flaws in people around you all the time, and they will scurry, right? Give yourself over to gossip. If you want to get rid of some friends, start gossiping. Like, they will repel. It's a repellent. Give yourself over to drunkenness, an addiction, some type of substance. Scripture is casting a vision for, for older women to live such godly, beautiful lives that it's catalytic, it's attractive. That's the charge for older men and older women. Did you notice you never see a charge for retirement? Did you notice you never see a mention of the American dream? It's because God's word is teaching us the greatest investment we make in life. It's not our 401k. It's building up relationships. It's building up the people that the Lord has placed around us. It doesn't mean you can't go on vacation. It doesn't mean you can't play a round of golf. Go to the beach. It just means... That just because you turn 65 doesn't mean you get to do what you want to do. Now, God's call on our lives is for all of us to build up the relationships around us. This vision for younger women might be a little uncomfortable in verse 5, especially in 2020. Younger women, love your husband, love your children, workers at home, be subject to their own husbands. Right? If you've been influenced by the culture of 2020, you start to twitch a little bit when you read verse 5. But you need to know, the economic center in the first century would have been the home. The economic center would have been the home. So the phrase, workers at home, in no way has a connotation of this 1950s, you cook, clean, and make babies. Now, Proverbs 31 describes a godly woman as a realtor. She's buying up fields. She's planting vineyards. Now, that, the, the charge is, is not to uh, this 1950s characteristics. No, the, the charge is, is, is for younger women to see the role and influence they have, the potential they have to influence the culture around them. And right now, our culture has placed so much emphasis on career that being a, 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 a godly wife a loving mother, a beautiful home, it's looked down upon. Like it's almost cast as an obstacle. Like career is elevated so high. The call is out to younger women. Pursue a career so greatly that you don't get distracted by these things. And God's word says, no, go make some money. Great. But this is also very beautiful. It's beautiful to be a loving 
wife. It's godly to raise up children. It's noble to invite people into your home, to build up relationships around you. And the idea of submission, the idea of submission isn't about inequality. The idea of submission is about unity. Submission is not about inequality. It's about unity. It's why in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, we see the Son submit to the Father. Because it's not about inequality. They're, they're equal. It's about unity. Husband and wife is working in unity. It's harder to see today, but in an agricultural economy, you would have definitely seen it. it. It would make no sense to have a husband and wife going in two different directions. It was all about the family unit running in one direction, of taking care of those cows and the dishes and the fields. and I, We're all working towards this together. It's about, it's about unity. That's what we're after as older men, younger women, families blossoming, children thriving. When he talks about a bondservant, we have to be clear, of course, it's, of course, Scripture's not encouraging what we see in American slavery. Of course, racism is wrong of any kind. But verses 9 and 10 is casting a vision for us to work in such a way that we're building up the relationships around us. Right, That our faith in Jesus is not just something that happens on Sunday in a worship service, on Wednesday at a community group, but throughout the whole week, every day, every hour of the day, even in our jobs, our mindset is, how am I building up those relationships around me? So, of course, we're not trying to pilfer from our employer. It means to steal. Of course not. Of course, we're not trying to argue with our boss. Of course, we're not trying to cut corners. We're trying to build up. That's the charge. No, we want to build it up, build up, build up that culture so that when we walk through the door, they say, oh, my gosh, Renee's here. Everything's going to be okay. Risa just showed up. Did you see Erica's here, everybody? It's okay. Jason's here, right? That's the culture we want, that when we walk through the door, they're just like, okay, because we're making relationships stronger. I know it's hard right now. That's the charge for us. Are you giving your energy? Are you giving your best effort to these relationships? Are these circles of relationships, is that what's showing up on our calendar? Because if we're not careful, we'll just drift over into Twitter, YouTube, and just, huh? Self-included. I'm, I'm with you also. God's Word is charging us. Focus on these relationships. That's the dream for our church family, is that we're building such beautiful relationships with one another that we are a city on a hill, that we're a light, that our city, draped in darkness, can't help but notice the love and the beauty and the, the stability and the strength that's coming out of North Village Church. That's our call. Let's talk about the last sub-point, the comfort. I don't know about you, but I look at Titus 2, and I start, I start feeling tired. Verse 1, but as for you, then rattles off this ridiculous charge. I'm just like, that's a lot. But you need to know God's word points us, 11 to 15, points us to comfort in his grace. Look at verses 11 
to 15. For the grace of God has appeared. Come on. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify us for himself, a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Isn't that good? Who's appeared? The grace of God. That's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus has appeared. Now, some of us hear the word grace, and we think grace means I get to punch somebody in the face, and God forgives me. Ah, God's so gracious. Punch you in the face. Forgive me. God's so gracious. But look at how grace is described in verse 12. The grace of God has appeared, that's Jesus, to do what? To instruct us to deny ungodliness. The grace of God has appeared to instruct us to deny worldly desires. Which means God's grace is forgiving and is also empowering, enabling us, enabling us, empowering us to resist those national headlines and build up the relationships around us to live out lives that rightly reflect our faith in Jesus. That Jesus, is, His grace is empowering us to live beautiful lives right now. It's empowering us to live consistent, sustaining, strong, beautiful relationships with one another. And it's not something that happens one day, but Jesus brings power into our lives the moment we meet him. Did you see that in verse 12? When do we get to live out these godly lives? When do we get to resist the ungodly desires? Is it when we get to heaven? Are we waiting? Is it when we turn 13? Or maybe when we turn 30? It's got to be when we turn 60, right? No. Look at it. Verse 12. It's in this present age that we are empowered to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age. Our hope, our hope, our hope is our eyes, our heart, our mind, we're focused on his return, right? He's going to come. That's our blessed hope. But until then, verse 14, until then, we are redeemed in Christ. We are redeemed. That's our mindset in Christ. There's forgiveness, but in Christ, I am redeemed from every lawless deed. It's not normal that I would stumble in to lawlessness. I might, but that's not normal. I'm redeemed. That's not my assumption. I'm purified to be a people who are zealous for good deeds. I'm going to get distracted by those national headlines, but that's not my norm. In Christ, I'm strong. I'm resisting those national headlines. I'm building up those relationships around us. That's the comfort of His grace. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that comforting? It's his grace. 
As I was studying the passage this week, it reminded me when my daughter, she's, she's 15 years old. When my daughter was six months old, I would carry her around. I could probably still carry her today, just be a little more awkward. But when she was six months old, I could carry her anywhere and everywhere. And I'd hold her in my arms, and her little hands would grip on to my shirt, white knuckle grip onto my shirt. And I would just kind of smile, you know, like she's the one holding herself up, right? And I'm thinking, you know, when they're six months old, you're all like, what are they thinking? They're probably thinking. And I'd be like, she's probably thinking, like, this is a, a tag team effort. This is teamwork. Like, I'm, I'm holding here. My dad's holding here. We're doing this together, right? No, that whole time, man, my arms were around her. She was securely in my grip. That's a little bit of the comfort of God's grace. Like we're going through life. We're repenting of sin. We're on guard. We're focused. Absolutely. We're taking the responsibility. We open up the scriptures. It's not going to open up by itself. We got to set the alarm. We got to turn off the news. We got to write down. Who are the people in my life? My spouse, my children, my neighbors, what are their names? My coworkers, my extended family, my church family, my, my niece that lives in Nebraska. What's, you know, like, you start building a list, you ain't got time for national headlines, and that's our responsibility. But, he's, but as for you, you build these relationships up. You take the responsibility to put it in, to pray, to come before them, to take the courage and the boldness. And it's going to feel like, so many times it's going to feel like we're the ones doing the work. But it's not. We're white-knuckling. We're holding on. We're the ones holding on. But it's all in his grip. It's all in Jesus. It's his grace. If we have the desire, if we have the thought, if we have the follow-through, if we have anything, if anything good should come out of us, it's all his grace. It's all his grace. This is the gospel. Jesus has, has come. He's lived a perfect life. He's taken our sin at the cross. He's conquered it in the resurrection so that by grace, through faith in Jesus, we are given his perfect life. And then, still, by grace, through faith, we walk in his perfect life. Does that make sense? That's the gospel. Every day, empowered and enabled to live out the call he has on our lives. Are we going to fail? Yeah. Are we going to get distracted? Yeah. But greater is he who is in you than the distractions we fall into. And so he calls out to us in Titus chapter 2, no matter what age you are, all you who are indwelled with the Holy Spirit, but as for you, Take up this charge. Build up sound, healthy relationships with the people around you. I'd like us to take these next few minutes and just reflect on what God is speaking to you in His Word. If you're at home, just, and just take a moment. Close your eyes if you want to. Get a pen. God's Word is speaking to us today. What is God's Word speaking to you? It's so important in this season for us to be hearing, not from me, not from the national headlines, but from God, 
take a moment and just reflect on what God is speaking to you in his word today. Will you do that now? national headlines are getting too much of your energy and effort? I could give examples, but there's like 50. So what is it for you? We're all at different places. Just be honest between you and the Lord. and Write it down in your phone on a piece of paper. What national headlines are getting too much energy and effort from you right now? What relationships have been neglected these last six months? What relationships need more of your energy and effort right now? When's the last time you, you prayed with your spouse? When's the last time you looked your kid in the eyes and spoke encouragement into them? When's the last time you encouraged a neighbor? You gave time to a coworker. Take a moment to reflect on that. What steps, you just ask yourself, we'll finish off this, what steps do you want to take this week to make a difference in the relationships that the Lord has entrusted to you? What steps do you want to take? What what do you want to be different? It's to me, the Spirit of God speaks to us through His Word, and it isn't just to bring conviction. And I, I hope there has been conviction. I hope the, that God's Word has challenged us today, but it isn't just to bring conviction. It is to bring forgiveness. That His grace is to bring forgiveness. It is also to bring empowerment. 
And so if you've never began a relationship with Jesus, let me encourage you to do that right now. Like there's no way that you could possibly sustain the relationships around you on your own. It's just going to, you're just going to fail miserably. You're going to just always be overwhelmed by that call, that charge, that challenge. And so receive Christ into your life today. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that he's resurrected from the dead. There is the Holy Spirit will come and indwell you. And with the Holy Spirit will come power, power to navigate this charge. So please do not leave today. Do not stop watching at home without taking the time to turn to Jesus, to receive him into your life. Will you pray for me so that we might all do that together? Father in heaven, I thank you so much. Uh, for this passage in Titus chapter 2, such a, a timely reminder for us to remember the most important relationships in our lives. And I, I confess, first and foremost, above anybody, I, I give my time, my heart, my energy to these national headlines, and I ask you to forgive me for that. It's good to be aware, it's good to be informed, but these relationships around me are much more important, and so help. Help me, help all of us to take hold of them. Help all of us to treasure these relationships. To take steps this week to invest in these relationships. And that we would, by your grace, that we would shine bright as a church family. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the for the stability and the strength that you've already built up in our church family, we humbly ask you to do more, that the world around us, the city around us would see, would smell the aroma of North Village Church. Not because we're put together, not because we're pretty on the outside, not because we're smart, but because we're empowered by you, Jesus. We're walking in step with you. I pray you would do that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.